for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Welcome back. Hour number two. We're going to talk to Dave Sproul momentarily. They're just finishing up the Iowa State Zoom uh, meeting. Uh, Matt Campbell did the first 45 minutes or so. Brock Purdy, Iowa State's quarterback, has been on with the uh, Iowa State media for the last 15 minutes or so. We'll give Dave Sproul another minute or two uh, for the... uh, Last question and answer from the Iowa State QB, and then we'll go to Dave Sproul. He's on hold, but he's listening in uh, as that thing wraps up. And then uh, Mark Morehouse coming up at the bottom of the hour on the Hawks. So last night I was up in your stomping grounds hanging out in Ankeny. Yeah, you were there late, too. Long, long, hot night. So with social distancing, a lot of the places I've been just outside of the press boxes because Mm -hmm. you have the people doing the PA, somebody doing the scoreboard, other things. I was also working with CISN last night. so Double dip. They had the video stream going up there, so all their equipment. So a couple of different places have been either in front of the press box or in the little landing area going into the press box. And that's where I was last night at Ankeny. You know how hot it was. Yeah. It was incredibly hot. And I'm not a person, even though I'm a big dude, I don't sweat a lot. You know, whatever reason, just never been something that's been a big issue for me. Mm -hmm. But I do the first game with the sun beating down on me and wearing my bla- black cakes. Oh, and you did polo. the first game on, on the, on the yes. screen. Gotcha. And as I'm sitting there and I get up and uh, get my radio equipment side ready and connecting back here to the station, as I stand up, I am drenched. I mean, just the whole back of me. I've never sweated, I don't think, more than I had at that one. black kicks and no shirts. 102 degrees was the uh, the real feel going into it. 95 degrees at first uh-huh. pitch at 502 last night. It was a hot one, but Ankeny, well, the Hawks' path to the state tournament got a lot easier because they're ranked number three. They were in the same sub-state as Dowling. Yeah, sad. Yeah. I mean, awful circumstances for, for Dowling. John, I'm hearing there's uh, teams. We'll get Dave Sproul in a moment, so mm-hmm. hopefully he'll be uh, finished up. Uh, there's teams that are, are not forfeiting, but not playing their last game of the year mm-hmm. because of the COVID fear. They want to go right to sub-state. Right, and, and if you play sense. that game and there's a positive case yeah. that comes out and you haven't been social distancing and you haven't been quarantining for somebody that might have it, it certainly makes sense. For Dowling Catholic, if they wouldn't have played those games against Ankeny on Tuesday night, they would have been okay to play a week from tomorrow in the opening round of the sub-state because the coach got the first test that said, you're negative, you're good. That's made the decision that they were going to play on Tuesday night. Ultimately, it was so actually it was, it was a it was a bad test result Yes, that knocked Dowling out of state. How's, how's that for a tough pill to swallow for that team? Oh, my God. That's just that's, uh, that's, uh, yeah. awful circumstance. Have you heard of Reese Moore? Reese, he's leading the state in home runs. Reese Moore, I don't know. He just showed up on my time last timeline last night. Okay, um, I don't know who was covering him. Jeff Johnson, maybe does that name ring a bell? Yeah, Jeff Johnson from the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Okay. I see him at 
every state tournament. And JJ's a Twins fan, so he's a good man. Okay, okay. To, he moves up in your book. Yes, then? we we talk Twins every single time I see JJ. He's a big hockey guy too. Well, I just moved up in my book. Yes, I, I think you would like JJ. Yeah, uh, Reese Moore has. He's just a sophomore. Has is eight, that what he is? He has eight homers this year. No, Thirty five RBI. Was, I think that was going into last night. Uh, going into last he had night. Three yeah. last night. Wow. And uh, yeah, just a sophomore for Four City. Holy mackerel! The old North Iowa Conference now the top of Iowa Conference. The Indians of Four City. Let's see if Dave Sproul is ready. Is Brock Purdy done speaking, Dave Sproul? Yes. Yeah, there we go. Dave Sproul, KASI 1430. He heard Matt Campbell earlier, and then uh, Brock Purdy finished things up. And thank you for doing this for us, Dave, as uh, we get you with all of these topics fresh in your mind. So let's do it. Let's start with Coach Campbell first. And I'm sure that you've seen and everybody's seen the rumors that are going around that Power Five is going to be conference play only. It's going to be 10 games. Obviously, we know that's going to be difficult in the Big 12 as they have nine, uh, nine other teams. Did scheduling come up at all during the Zoom call? Uh, it did a little bit. Uh, I believe it was Randy Peterson that asked the question there. And, uh, Coach Campbell really didn't have much of an answer at this point. He said it's not something that he's really discussed and kind of leaving that in the hands of Jamie Pollard and the other athletic directors right now. Uh, so, he, you know, when it comes to that kind of thing, and kind of similar when he was asked about the possibility of playing in the spring, um, he said, you know, just whatever comes will come. And, he, you know, goes back to something he talks about all the time when it comes to game day or whatever is controlling what you can control and, and taking it one day at a time. And that was a big part of the focus of, of his responses to a lot of questions today is just, you know, making the best plan they can for right now and, you know, operating under the current circumstances and then adjusting from there if those circumstances change. Hmm. What about uh, scheduling practice? I mean, it's a contact sport. How will they social distancing and football seemingly don't go hand in hand? How difficult is that going to be? Was that uh, was that brought up? Uh, not specifically, although he, he discussed a little bit how they're handling things right now with quote unquote voluntary workouts. He said they got about 105 uh, guys back on campus at the moment and more are, are planning to come. They're working out how they're going to uh, integrate those guys in, into the campus when, when they come back and right, what they're doing right now. And Brock Purdy touched on this a little bit. They're kind of doing in groups. They're doing workouts in smaller groups and everybody's trying to keep their distancing up and, you know, uh, all that stuff. So right now, uh, it's just a matter of working out probably in smaller groups than they typically would uh, at this time of year. And then once the actual, you know, all out workouts begin, depending on what, you know, where we are in terms of the spread of, of COVID-19 in Story County, Iowa, nationwide, however you want to define it, uh, that might uh, and probably will dictate how they handle those kinds of things. But if that's any indication, then perhaps, uh, you know, when required workouts start around or, you know, real uh, the real ramp up to the season and fall camp begins, then you might see uh, smaller groups and maybe you won't see as much scrimmaging or, you know, full 11 on 11 type of, of practices to, and, you know, whatever procedures they can come in with to, to keep guys apart as much as possible at least. But yeah, at some point, like you indicated with football, that's, it's, just going to be impossible to keep guys completely apart. It's going to be just a crazy, crazy season if we get a season coming up this fall and and how it's going to play out. You know, I know there's a group of people that want to see the NCAA hand out some more defined parameters on the way that football should be done, the way the practicing should be done. I just don't think there's a whole good likelihood of that. There isn't a college football czar, a president, anything like that. The NCAA can hand things down, but ultimately it's going to come down to the conferences. What has the Big 12 said? Have they said anything trying to get at least their 
10 members on the same page of what they're doing, both in the practices leading up to the season and then ultimately when we get there? I, I suppose it's possible I missed something, but I haven't really seen anything out of the Big 12 or, or Bob Bowlesby saying this is how we want every team to handle these things. And if, if there were a consensus among the teams or the conferences to, to take it to the next level and say we want a uniform policy, whether it's for the Big 12 or the SEC or the NCA as a whole, uh, that would probably have to come from the athletic directors and then and the conferences taking that to the NCA. So I think right now, I'm guessing, you know, the reason we haven't seen the Big 12 put out a dictator, the NCA put out a dictator, is because the consensus isn't there to have that. Each program wants to handle it in his own, their own ways, and probably the conferences want to handle it their own ways. And, you know, the NCA, for all the slack it takes about, you know, its rules and how it goes about its business, what it ultimately is is a reflection of what its membership wants, and the membership right now isn't saying we need a uniform national policy. They want their own policy. They want to put their own, because testing varies so much from region to region, from state to state and city to city, that putting a a national policy in place for all of college football really would be probably impractical right now. Uh, so I just had to answer the phone when, when you asked that question. I hope I'm not asking the same question again. What about, you know, if there are positives, um, like an injury report? Did you ask that question? So what would, um, would they go forward? Um, you know, Brock, I'll use Brock Purdy since he was on there. Um, I, I would say Brock Purdy test positive, and he didn't. I just want to make that clear. But if before a game he does, will the conference be forced to share that information at all, or will they kind of keep that to themselves? Was Was Campbell asked about a you know an availability? Let's put it that way: an availability report. Yeah, that that did not come up specifically, and that's um, probably a really interesting question. Uh, I, I would think, you know. Teams do whatever they can, colleges in, in particular, do whatever they can to live by the, you know, federal healthcare privacy laws. And I would think that's something that would be a very strong consideration. Uh, in Major League Baseball, you know, you hear about guys who are testing positive, but those, that doesn't get out unless the player themselves, right. you know, consent uh, for that information to come out there. I would imagine you'd probably have to handle that the same way at the college level because, uh, you know, just in terms of the federal law, you couldn't just go out and say, well, you know, Brock Purdy's got the COVID. Uh, he's going to be out this week. Uh, and you know, maybe you could say, hey, he's going to be out this week and don't say why. Right. And then we can all reach that conclusion on our own. Uh, but uh, to come right out and say it might not be within the purview of the, the university, the athletic right. department, or the coaches. Yeah, and I don't need to know the reason. I'm with you there, Dave, 100%. I think we can, we'll all connect the yeah, dots. Absolutely. And we'll know, yeah. if, well, he's, they say he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. And Yeah, but he twisted his ankle on that fourth, <laughs> play in the fourth quarter. And we could, we could have the back and forth with right. that. Dave Sproud joining us from 1430 up in Ames. Dave, uh, from there, you mentioned the back end talking with Brock Purdy. So let's talk about the Cyclone quarterback. What he talked about in the conversation with him uh, during your 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, uh, part of that was uh, his experience actually kind of being stranded or quarantined with his family in Florida. His, his father, his family roots in, in Florida, and they were planning to spend some time there as a family together, he and his siblings and his parents uh, all together in Florida. And they they went uh, for spring break. They went down to Florida, and it was about it was a, the week before spring break when Iowa State said, all right, everybody get out of here and don't come back. Mm. Uh, so he was actually kind of stuck in his whole family. They were kind of stuck together there in Florida for, for a long while, 
And he said they, they just did a lot of stuff together, really had a lot of quality, uh, kind of family bonding times. They're very, uh, very religious family. So he talked, they talked about exercising their faith a lot during that, that time and just kind of getting away from football. And Matt Campbell, uh, said it first and, and Brock maybe kind of echoed that, uh, and that it was maybe a good thing for him to get his mind off the game for a while and focus on, on his family and folk just get away from the game. Uh, Coach Campbell indicated that it was probably good for his physical health too to not have spring practice and get off that, that angle that was so bad at the end of the last season and get that healed up. So in a strange kind of way, that might have experience might have actually helped Brock Purdy both mentally and physically. Interesting. Maybe wouldn't have even participated in the spring with that ankle. Uh, so what about, let's uh, stay on the spring practice theme. Of course, uh, Campbell's in a good spot because he's got a returning starting quarterback, unlike a lot of schools uh, throughout the country. You're going to have to break in uh, somebody else. But how big of a detriment did uh, did Campbell say was not having spring practice? Uh, you know, he didn't address that again specifically, I think, uh, with the, the bigger concerns. I'm not sure if it's uh, something, you know, that you would want to say, well, gosh, I'm really frustrated we didn't have uh, spring practice when you consider everything that's gone on with, with COVID-19 and all the people who have who've been suffering and dying from it. So uh, it would probably be uncouth to say uh, on his part to say something bad about, you know, missing out on, on spring practice for football when all that's going on. So uh, that's part of some, something they got to keep in touch with, though, something they got to consider when they're getting back into the, both the voluntary workouts this summer as well as the uh, the fall camp coming up presumably next month. And in Coach did, uh, Coach Campbell did say, you know, in, in part that the new strength and conditioning coach, something we talked about last week, Dave Andrews, had a big role in, in, in working with these guys and communicating with them, whether they were on campus or off, and getting a, a workout plan to each player to fit their individual needs and, you know, what was available to them. Some guys could go to the gym, some guys couldn't, some guys have home equipment, some guys don't, some guys had access to, you know, uh, weights and some guys didn't. So each of that, you know, each circumstance played a role in the strength and the conditioning staff putting together workout plans for guys, you know, that they had to do on their own. And he said a lot of guys, or pretty much everyone, really did a good job of, of following those those plans. So that kind of supplanted, I guess, uh, spring practice in a way. Have they thought about travel going forward? Might there be opportunities to travel, you know, instead of going on Friday night, that they actually can leave early Saturday morning, you know, not have to spend a night in a hotel and eat in a, in a conference room? Can they travel? To, will they try and travel on game day? Has the conference uh, uh, laid out anything uh, regarding that? I haven't seen anything from the conference. Again, that's another topic that uh, did not come up today, but it's something that, yeah, will have to be uh, considered as we get closer to uh, game uh, weeks if those happen. Uh, I, I would think that, you know, as much as possible, Coach Campbell would, and just about any other coach, I think, in this position would want to try to stay as close to the normal routine mm-hmm. as possible. And Campbell did t- talk about about kind of establishing a bubble for his team and, you know, he, he praised his guys for taking care and making sure they didn't put themselves in risky situations. He said of the 105 or so players who came back in what he called the first wave uh, of guys who are back on campus, only three have tested positive, and all three are back with the team and working out again. So they're in a really good position from, from that point of view. And I think when it comes to team travel, the nice thing you got going for you is that everybody meets at the facility, everybody gets on the bus, and everybody gets off the bus and goes right onto a plane. 
And when you can do that, that really, I mean, that's part of the normal routine and that's kind of uh, keeping yourself in a bubble, something coaches want to do anyway when it comes to, you know, focus and concentration and going through the routine of travel and preparing for games. And I would think they want to keep that as close to normal as possible, which would mean in all likelihood, you know, travel the day before the game. What that means for hotel accommodations in whatever city you're going to, that could be a real wild card there. And maybe you need to go to a place that you're the only people in the hotel. And that gets into a whole logistical thing. But uh, there is time to work that all out. And we'll, we'll see, uh, you know, when it gets down to the nitty gritty, how that happens. All right, here's a goofy one for you. You've got to know Matt Campbell now over the last five years. What was the tone like? He he seems very measured pretty much every single time you hear him win, lose, or draw, however it comes out after a game in the press conferences leading up to him. Did you get any anything, any tone, how he was feeling as you guys were talking to him now for nearly an hour? Yeah, I, I think it was pretty typical Matt Campbell yeah. uh, from what you indicated there. He's a very even-keeled kind of guy, and he doesn't get too carried away, and if anything, uh, the biggest, you know, the most gushing came from that the praise of his guys, you know, handling themselves uh, off on and off campus and making sure they didn't put themselves at risk of of contracting the virus. Uh, but on that, it was yeah, yeah, pretty straight business like uh, Matt Campbell uh, that you typically see. Uh, did he talk about his? Uh, well, let me ask you this: What was your biggest takeaway that we haven't talked about yet? Uh, one of the things, you know, uh, he did get asked about Jaquan Bailey. Uh, we talked about a little bit last week, and he said Bailey is in the best shape of his life, uh, actually working out on his own. He got himself really back into shape, and he's coming off that serious injury from last year that, that kept him out. And so he's coming back, and he was particularly proud of, of what Bailey had done for himself to get back to it. Uh, he was also talked about the offensive line a little bit, which is maybe the biggest question mark on uh-huh. offense because we only have two returning starters there. And uh, Colin Newell in particular, he talked about, you know, he referred to Newell getting back on the field for, for the bowl game against Notre Dame last year, and he played the entire game at guard. Uh, you know, the, one of the interesting questions will not only be um, who are, will be the three new starters on that line, but where I think where Newell plays will, will play a big role in that because he played a, a redshirt freshman season as a starting center basically the whole year, uh, but he can also play guard and they can move him around. They really like the intelligence and the football acumen that he brings to the center position, which is um, more and more important every year, it seems. So if I had to bet, he'll be, I'm guessing he'll be back at center, but it'll be interesting. That's kind of a wild card, a little bit of flexibility that the staff has when it comes to working out uh, a very new offensive line. Uh, Dave, last thing for you, Dave Sproul, KASI, our sister station in Ames, the Cyclones play on 1430 in Ames. Uh, schedule-wise, not uh, not Saturday schedule, but when will they get uh, opportunities uh, with the with the team, the coaches I'm referring to? Right now it's voluntary, but what uh, when will Iowa State coaches get to spend some time uh, with their team? Is it next well, Monday? Part of the voluntary work... I think uh, yeah, that'll ramp up next week. I think the coaches do get to spend some time with the players here as part of the voluntary workouts. I'm not 100% sure on how all that works. But, yeah, I think next week that really ramps up to another level, and then you get mm-hmm. full-on fall camp in about a month, actually a little less than a month, if everything stays on schedule for September 5th uh, kickoff. So uh, you'll see things uh, starting to ramp up, and I would imagine with next week, you know, you can start getting guys back on get more guys back on campus or guys who are maybe uh, early enrollees or guys who are enrolling in the fall. They typically, you know, start working onto campus. The freshmen or the transfers who haven't made it to campus yet usually start coming in during the summer and getting in, getting acclimated and start practicing with the team. So I think that'll be the second wave 
of guys who are coming onto campus, and that probably, yeah, if I remember right, should be next week. Good stuff, Dave Sproul. Thank you for being flexible and coming on uh, today's opposed and uh, to tomorrow and doing so right after uh, you jumped off the Zoom with Coach Campbell and with uh, Brock Purdy. Thanks, Dave. We'll talk to you next week. Sure, appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Dave Sproul, KASI fourteen thirty in Ames. Jaquan Bailey, best shape, shape of his life. Mm-hmm. Is he tied for the sack leader? I think he, he needs one. He needs one to tie. Yeah, gotcha. one to tie, one and a half to break. I think that's the way that it sets up. That dude off the edge when he's right. Yeah, he's an incredibly talented guy. They've got some dudes. Yes, they do. A defensive front. Now you're you're all in on this new JUCO defensive tackle. Yeah, Bankston. Can, it's a juco. Yeah, I know. I know. For everyone that comes out glowingly, there's Banks and the receiver. No, no, that's Xavier Hutchinson. It's Hutchinson, right? Yeah, yeah Banks. Latrell. Latrell Bankston. Yeah. I don't know. I, there's just something about. Well, look, the, Ray Lee is a great. That's some big shoes to fill. Yes, literally. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> and figuratively, Lima. Without Ray Lima, they're not able to go to that amoeba defense that they ran. And really revolutionized the way defenses are played in the Big 12 and across the country in football. Mm-hmm. New England Patriots, Clemson, making yeah. phone calls to <laughs> Iowa State. Yeah. Chad Heacock, he figures something out. And, uh-huh. and, they, and they're linebackers, too. Well, certainly two of them, we know. You look at Lima's numbers, they, they don't wow you. But he is able to engage that whole front of their defense. And yeah. without him, they are not the same guy. It's huge, like you said, huge shoes to fill. And I... I it's a struggle for me to begin, at least initially. And how many times do you hear this? The reason Kansas State for years, they played such a garbage non-conference schedule is because they brought in so many JUCOs. And JUCOs took a while to acclimate playing Big 12 football. I'm not all as all-in as it feels like you are, at least at this point. With I Baxter. think their defense is incredibly I, stout. I, I like a lot of different pieces. Uh-huh. The linebacker crew. Yeah, he got two really yeah. good ones. Mm-hmm. What we saw the advancement of uh, of Orion Vance, he was a big step forward oh, last he year. He was huge last year, and a guy that you, know, you didn't know if he was going to click. That first time he was out there, he looked lost at times. But all of a sudden, stamp of the fingers, he looked like a different guy. Mm-hmm. And Mike Rose it didn't take a stamp of the fingers. He went in there right away and won the job as a true freshman. Looked Trent. the part. And Eisworth, if he's healthy, if he's healthy, mm-hmm. he's difference maker. He is. Look, Marcel Spears. Good player. It's a loss. Yeah, it's a loss. Hummel is a senior, though, so he's been in the program mm-hmm. a long time. It's got a text that Wazaruke is moving inside. That'll help. Yeah, that will help. Big dude. Peterson. Who did we have on early in the week that said Zach Peterson? Oh, yeah. Who the hell was that? I don't remember. So John th- Walters? It was John Walters. Yeah, yes, yeah. it was John Walters that uh, uh, just glowing about him. And, well, of course, and Will McDonald is a freak. And we're going through here, your boy Pulvermacher, and on and on and on. But we're actually talking about depth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so many times with Iowa State, we know the names, we know the guys, and that first group, the top 15 are pretty good, Yeah, but there is absolutely nothing behind it. Iron sharpens iron, and you're having it here. There's actually competition for these spots. It's just not a union card. Well, that's they played, true. and we don't got anybody else that's going to push them. Tavon Kyle, we've been talking yeah. about him since we saw him late in the year last year, number 10, a corner. I think the defense is stout, Trent. It's the offensive line. Their skilled guys are going to be good. They've got a uh, uh, Brees Hall. Watch the step forward for him this mm-hmm. year. Watch the step forward for him, and I'm not writing off Jarrell Brock uh, as well. Yeah, I just got a text. You'll be hearing more about this at 4 o'clock, I'm assuming. Aha, I see where that's um, coming from. But, yeah, very high on that defense, and that defensive line should be. It's going to be really good. Oh, God, I don't know we get there. All right, KXNO.
where's my got a lot of papers keyword over there. list? Yes. I feel like Cotler, boys. His Cotler's <laughs> desk uh, after a show was unbelievable. Boy, he killed a lot of trees. I uh, printed off a lot of stuff. Uh, Kicks and Owen iHeart want to help you pay your bills. Text the keyword money to 200-200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. That's money to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, Mark Morehouse on Iowa. Who will Iowa's 10th opponent be? If indeed the rumors are true that we are going to have conference play only, there are four that are missing from the East right now. I'm going to try and go over them again. I think I got it. Michigan, yeah. Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana. You got it. Proximity-wise, Indiana would be the school. You want Rutgers. You want Rutgers. Yeah, that, that is number one, two, three, and four on the list. Right. Last time you played a Greg Schiano Rutgers team, though, it did not go well. That was a long time ago in the pinstripe bowl. Greg Schiano was not the coach. He wasn't he wasn't he no. the, when Rutgers was he gone? He was gone. Why did I think he was still he there? He was well gone at that point. All right. Well Schiano I, left Rutgers like a decade ago. But it's been a decade since they played there, hasn't it? Man, well, that was Iowa long. State. That played Rutgers in the pinstripe. That's what bowl. I'm talking about. Oh, I got what you got. I thought you were talking about Iowa versus Rutgers. No, 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 oh, no, 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 okay, no. Okay. Iowa State. Yeah, I see where you are. Uh, anyways, we will come back. We get will on the same page when we get we come on the back. same page. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I was I was the one that knocked you off the page. Uh, Mark Morehouse will get us on the same page. We're going to talk about the Hawks next. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty kicks and a one house dot org. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, underrated too. I don't know if our next guest, Mark Morehouse, likes Steely Dan, but in my mind, it feels like he should like Mark's Steely Dan. Mark's a Steely Dan guy? Is that how you that, picture That's what him? it feels. Let, let's find out here before we get into Iowa football. Oh, and the Chicago Blackhawks. Well, I, we know that, yes, and we'll certainly get to that. As I'll, uh, I'll take a little break and you guys can talk some hockey. Mark, Mark Morehouse joining us from the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Mark, Steely Dan in your wheelhouse, yes or no? Absolutely, yes. Okay. Uh, they are that jazz fusion thing they do. It's one of a kind. Now, very well done, Mark Morehouse. Good to talk to you. How you been? Hanging in there. Uh, not really. Uh, feel like I'm sort of like Tom Hanks and Castaway. <laughs> uh, there's foot. I don't know. I don't see the football island right now. Yeah, I and don't uh, that's that's really. I don't know about you guys, but it's starting to be kind of disconcerting. I mean, just. You know, you live your life, you know, I've, I've done this for 23 years. I'm not saying I'm, you know, in it as much as you know, a coach or a player or anything like that at all. But football becomes a rhythm in your life, and now there's none of that. I mean, I really, I, I'm highly skeptical there'll be football, you guys. Well, I'm not really to go there yet. I'm highly skeptical that we're going to see 12 games and maybe we won't see it on Labor Day weekend. Um, but it's going to be tough, Mark. I agree with you. Yesterday was not a good uh, good day for college sports across the board. I'm sure you've seen the the, the latest uh, rumor, projection, whatever you want to call it. A lot of folks who cover college football truly believe that behind the scenes, uh, plans are being drawn up to have a 10-game conference schedule only with flexibility in the schedule. I don't know how far that flexibility might take us, perhaps into 2021. 
Could you see that happening, Mark, where where non-con games uh, we find out within the next couple of weeks? Because I do believe that whatever we whatever the case is going to be, we have to find out pretty quick here uh, as to what the schedule is going to look like. But could you see that behind the scenes a new and alternative schedule is being worked out? Yeah, that that uh, that rumor has been going around. I think I want to say that started with Ohio somebody Ohio State. So it, that came from a good place, the 10-game thing. Um, I've heard a lot about that. But if you dig a layer deeper and you actually talk to people who are at practice and you go through the just the, uh, the machinations that the training staff has to go through now with who's eligible to practice, who's quarantined, who's actually got this potentially deadly disease, uh, or I'm sorry, virus, um, so I, I'm more looking at what, what do things look like at the end of August or in middle of August. And I think that'll be, I think that's at, at that point, that's got to be the deadline, right? I mean, if there's going to be football on time, you really have to know by the middle of August. So I'm, gonna, I'm willing to let it go till then. But really, I, I, I just the information I gather, I, I just don't know. I don't know how there's going to be football. But... They're kind of, Scott and I talked on the podcast yesterday. There almost has to be football yeah. because otherwise there's no money. Yeah. And, and the house of cards that this is built upon, that's the scary part. We see Stanford. I mean, with the money that they have it, as a university, as a whole, slashing a number of sports. Now, they also had 36 of them. So eh, maybe you could say there was some overkill there. But programs across the country, Boise State, I think all told, there's upwards of uh, some 68 programs that have been cut just since March across the D1 landscape, and it's going to continue here. When you talk about the financials, what would a year without college football, what would it do for the University of Iowa Athletic Department? Well, um, there'd be a lot of a lot of the people you see represent Iowa Athletics would be gone. Um Line of demarcation sports for me with the University of Iowa, baseball. Um, I, yeah. I think baseball's a thriving sport. I think Rick Heller saved it mm-hmm. at Iowa. I think Iowa sees potential there. I think, I think Iowa's in love with Iowa baseball, but what's baseball going to look like? I mean, you see Boise State. Uh, did they drop baseball or wrestling? Wrestling is the one that really scares me, you guys, because that community was already pretty small. Um, and then you read places, I want to say Boise State. Some They some did Boise State drop baseball, yes. Okay. Places, so baseball and wrestling to me. And Iowa will never, I don't, I don't think Iowa will drop baseball. I know Iowa won't drop wrestling, but, you know, if it's Iowa wrestling Purdue six times, is that a season? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I, I worry about the pool of competition for some of those sports. And I know that might be foolhardy on my part because, you know, who knows? I mean, if Trent, Trent's no football, no revenue, football revenue, I don't know what that's going to look like. I think I can't imagine that being anything that anything palatable for any of us. Yeah, that's a doomsday scenario. Uh, there's no doubt. Then the Big Ten Network, all those people get let go. Will they even be on the air on Channel 610 on DirecTV? How many uh, uh, historical games can you watch, for crying out loud? Right. You know, there's there's going to come an end to it. Um, Mark Morehouse from the Cedar Rapids Gazette is our guest. Well, Mark, let's speculate. Let's get positive and, yep, we're losing a couple of games. We're losing the non-conference, but there's going to be 10 Big Ten games how do you think but what would be the best way to handle it i don't think that they would uh, pluck a team from the west 
and and play them twice, or maybe they would be just because of the travel. It would be easier to go to Lincoln or uh, or to have the Gophers come to Iowa City um, than it would be even Wisconsin's close or Illinois. Uh, but you get my point. If indeed they do find yeah. a team in the East that's not on the schedule, might that be the best way to handle this? I. I... I want to go back to the non-conference games. I, I, if there's ten games, if the Big Ten says yes to ten games, make one a non-conference game, and make it and, and mandate it be okay. Iowa, Iowa State, that's as far as you're going to go. That is your non-conference game. Um, Purdue, Ball State, uh, Michigan State, Eastern Michigan. Yeah. You know, yeah. just maybe maybe a little bit more muscular on those on those other ends. But uh, to me. I think Cyhawk has been played every year since 1977. It would be sort of a tragedy to not have that. And I think there is a window to have it. So that's my idea there. Um, as far as, you know, I wonder if Rutgers and Maryland will be able to have football. I mean, just because the population bases, where they're at, mm-hmm. um, the travel it would take to get there for many teams in the Big Ten, I, I think that'd be a toughie, although – when people think of football travel, it is all chartering. I mean, it is all very, it is very uh, if, if people get on that plane, they're not going to have COVID, and hopefully they're not going to have COVID coming off. So that is pretty self-contained. So football travel could work for college. But, Mark, let me interrupt you for just a second. I know it's not yeah, the only ahead. charter company, but the charter company that flew all the teams went belly up. Oh, shoot, that's right. And then I saw something last night about uh, Learfield and debt. You know, really? all Learfield does is uh, put the games on the radio. So right. I don't know how far this is going to bite, but you're right, Ken. And, and as far as mixing and matching teams, um, yeah, I think that that could work. I mean, for a 10-game season, say, uh, maybe, uh, okay, you get your one non-conference game, and then it's strictly Big Ten West, and then you fill in with closest proximity from the East for Iowa. That'd probably be Michigan State, um, and I'm just guessing right now. Gonna be odd as we all are. And we're trying to put it <laughs> yeah. all together. Here's something else, exactly. and we got football on the field, but we don't have a vaccine. We're going through it. I saw there's a helmet manufacturer that has a face shield that players can wear mm. to obviously combat the uh, the particles that come out of mouths when guys mm. are hollering when they're you know, they're just bumping up against each other. But when they come over the sidelines, coaches, a 65 year old coach for Iowa, Kirk Ferentz. Does everybody on the sidelines need to be masked up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, if I'm Kirk Ferentz, I'm wearing a shield yeah. uh, just because, you know, why have one spittle, you know, kill you. Uh, and he's sixty. He's going to be 65 here in August. So, yeah, I think shields on all the coaches at the minimum. Um, and I think all coaches would do that. I don't know about you guys, but I, I think yeah. I think most coaches see the big picture and know that uh, the mask and – you know, protocols and caution are the way to get to a football season, and I think they see that. And I don't think anybody would have any qualms about throwing on a shield and co- to be able to coach their team. And I don't think the players it should be mandatory. I mean, we're talking about amateurs after. So, Trent, is that is that company? Are they producing them as we speak? Yes, yeah. I, I think there was an article at the Athletic. I think maybe Nicole Auerbach okay, uh, wrote it last week and talking about that, which it makes sense. It's it's different, and football is going to look different, and everything's going to be different. Bowl games gone. Are they bowl, completely off the table? Can you envision a scenario outside of the playoff mark where we're going to see even half the bowl games we currently have? 
And the only way I could see it would be regional bowl games, like say Iowa could play Missouri and St. Louis, mm-hmm. you know, right. something like that. Something that's a travel, that's a drive for fans. Um, and then, and then the twenty thousand fans you let into a seventy-five thousand seat stadium. You know, I, I think, I think we got to start looking at these at what the possibilities could be as made-for-TV events. Mm-hmm. I think the whole season is going to be. You know, 10 games, I think, is kind of uh, ambitious. Uh, I could see a five-game total, just five games now, five games in the spring for money, for television, yeah. uh, exhibition-type stuff. Just getting the teams together, getting some money flowing, and just getting on TV. Uh, I, 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 If I'm college football, you have to take the fans out of the equation. You just do. Yep. Uh, Mark, uh, last thing for you. I'm, I'm sure you've, uh, you're paying attention to how the NHL is going to try and pull this off after all your hardcore Blackhawks fan. Uh, if, if any sport is going to do it, and I saw MLS is actually doing a pretty good job quarantining all of their, putting their players in a bubble as well in Orlando. Uh, the game last night was played at Field 17, a oh, historical yeah. venue. Your 17. inner Miami squad? Uh, yeah, yes, uh, they, <laughs> they took it on the chin. Uh, cranes went down to defeat. But Mark, I'm sure you've kept up on the bubble. Boy, the NHL yeah. seems to be doing this right. If there is a sport that's got a chance to pull it off, Maybe it's the NHL uh, in their two hub cities, and as strict as they're going to be, I mean, no family uh, is allowed until you get to the conference final or to the Stanley Cup final. Um, and you, you, once you get in that bubble, you're not leaving that bubble. Well, Ken, what, what is what is your impression of hockey locker room? Mine has always been they love hanging out with each yeah. other. They they're all buddies. They all Mark, what was your favorite part of playing hockey when you got older? Mine was sitting in the room after the game and drinking beers with your squad. My my job, I was the worst player in the A League and my job was to bring hams to every game <laughs> in my hockey bag. That it's camaraderie. And yep. I think hockey is does have a unique sort of community that way. Still going to be hard, but I, I do like your optimism there and I share it. <laughs> I don't care. I I want NHL, and I'm going to bash about it. Uh, I do think that the, the way the culture's built, it has a shot. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette. On Iowa Podcast is uh, up. Uh, you guys, uh, you and Doc recorded it yesterday, correct? Yeah. Uh, we talked to Jay Neiman, Iowa uh, assistant defensive line coach. Uh, talked a little bit about recruiting, and believe it or not, you guys, there's some actual football talk on there, oh, and it was that. really oh. cool. Isn't it fun <laughs> getting a depth chart yeah. in front of you and doing that? I'm all. We for. talked a couple of weeks ago, Ken, and you were like, "Man, I missed like sort of the uh, top forty players. I missed the breakdown mm-hmm. of the defensive line." You know, I did that in January, and now I think I need to do it again because I've lost track without <laughs> any sort of spring. I've lost track of these guys. I admit it. I'm with you. Doesn't seem like it, does it? Almost feels uh, dirty talking about it. <laughs> it kind of <laughs> does. Uh, Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette. Mark, thank you. Appreciate it as always. Good to talk to you. you Mark Morehouse. Yep, good Thanks. to talk to you. Uh, Cedar Rapids Gazette as uh, we talk Hawks and stuff with Mark. All right, we'll take our final time out. Come back and uh, wrap things up here. Miller and Condon with you. One more segment to go. Of course, Murph and Andy in it too. The Fanatics at four on 1460 KXNO 107. Shop local and eat global at the Global Greens Farmer's Market. This farmer's market supports former refugees building small businesses and finding a path to sustainability through farming. Open for the season on Saturdays from 9 a.m. until 1 p.m. at Lutheran Services of Iowa's Des Moines campus. 
That's 3200 University Avenue in Des Moines. Global Greens Farmer's Market. Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM, final segment of the program. If indeed we uh, do have to move to spring football, Trent Condon, what's it going to look like? Spring football, what do you mean by spring football? Like it starts in uh, January? April? That's not spring. Okay, winter football, January, February, finish up in March. Draft eligible what? players, they're not going to play. They're not playing, no. Nope. What about kids that are on the fence? You Brock know, Purdy playing? Well, he's one of those. Well, yeah, he would, I would think that. I think you would have to have another season. Yeah, but if you if you Trevor Lawrence, no, no. But if you have in the back of your mind that this is your last year, I'm coming out after this year, mm-hmm. and I need this year to really elevate my stock. Do you take that risk? I mean, is there going to be that? Uh, that clearinghouse or whatever it's called that you submit for feedback from the NFL. Right. Is, is that going to be open for business? It has know. to be. I think it has to be, but yeah. what are they going to be basing it on? Because they didn't take it. Takes... Tape your sophomore year? I guess. Oh, there's so many things. For those top-level prospects, those top 12 to 15, I think it's pretty easy. No, but, I agree. Yeah, I agree. But most anybody after that, there'll be others that'll say, you know what, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. I, I know I'll be drafted. It's not maybe even going to be a first rounder, but I'll be drafted at some point. I'm not going to risk playing football when I know that's still on the table. Mm-hmm. I mean, signing bonus of three and a half, four and a half million dollars, even in the third round, that's nothing to sneeze at. No, I'm with you. All right, so uh, it's up to you and I uh, to, to whether the stadium's going to be built at Drake. We've heard all sides. If that price tag Yay is or nay. $60 million for the other stadiums, I'm still save the stadiums. You want the stadiums? As long as that price tag's not $60 million. The real price tag. Right. Where are you? I'm kind of changed. The tax money's and it's coming out. You have to spend the money. Build the stadium at Drake. Back tomorrow. Fanatics at 4, Murph and Andy.